different preferences, which probably is why you're in one place and not a other place. Preferences being how we go about things. Anybody ever church shopped before? Let's see, should I call you out? Are you church shopping right now? <laughs> we'll find you afterwards. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. There's this set of preferences. Maybe like music, dress code, preaching style, how much you had to stand or sit, how much they actually asked you to hold hands of the person next to you. And, and did Michael wear the high green socks today? <laughs> I'll take my jab at him today. <laughs> Those are the questions that we tend to ask ourselves. Uh, but they're not the things that make a church healthy or not. What makes a church healthy? If you were here in the early days of Redeemers, there was an older gentleman that came here for a long time. His name was Al Yoder. Anybody remember Al and Anita? They're just fantastic, amazing people. He preached here a few times. He pastored churches uh, most his life. And he told me several times, Brett, anybody, anybody can get a great band and have good music. And if you're at least a halfway decent speaker, you can get a crowd. But a crowd is not a church. A crowd is not a church. It's just an aggregation, a gathering of people. It's not a congregation that does life with one another. And you know what? It's very true because we can have great coffee and great music and a great talk and friendly people, and I can get all that at a coffee shop as well. But what makes a church a church and what makes this church healthy is an important thought process that you and I should actually contemplate and think through when and as we gather and throughout our weeks. And so the question is, is there some kind of gauge or a ruler that we can hold up and go, is, is our church healthy? Is the church I'm a part of healthy? And in Acts 1 through 7, we have the birth of the way of Jesus, this church, this gathering of people. And there's lots of ups and downs in these first seven chapters. You'll see very early on that the name of Jesus is proclaimed. As a result, people are coming to know him. They're putting faith in him. They participate and share life, life together, prayer, healing, teaching. But there's no perfect church. There's no perfect church. For as we looked at in Acts 5 last week, there's some liars and it results in death. It's a pretty brutal story. Next week, as Carson teaches, we're going to see there's some widows who are being neglected and there's complaints. But there's no perfect church. There's definitely a healthy church. And let me just quote Mark Dever one more time, and then we're going to get in uh, to the meat of this. Mark Dever says, a healthy church is not a church that's perfect and without sin. Right? If you showed up here, guess what? This is not a sinless place. Because I showed up here, it's not a sinless place. But Dever goes on, and he says, it has not figured everything out. Rather, it's a church that continually strives to take God's side in the battle against the ungodly desires and deceits of the world, our flesh and the devil. It's a church that continually seeks to conform itself to God's word. Right? That's what a church, a healthy church, looks like. And the purpose of this intro and the next three weeks is for us, listen, individually, yes, 
But more importantly, collectively, if this is your church, collectively, to ask ourselves some questions. Because y'all are the church. And if nobody shows up next week and nobody shows up the following week and nobody shows up the week after that, even though we have a building and a website and a stage, that's not what makes any of this move and propel and go forward in promoting the goodness and kingdom and love of Jesus. It's because y'all show up and say, this is my church. Makes you a part of it. So we need to ask ourselves, what makes this healthy? And this morning is not an exercise to be overly critical of ourselves individually or corporately, but it is to ask the painful question, am I healthy? Am I healthy? So what do we see? Let's flip back to Acts 2. We're going to see some activity of the early church. A very famous passage quoted often, but it's going to give us context. In verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. There's some interesting activity that's happening here in this set of scripture. You see that as they're gathering, they're coming under teaching, doctrine, learning, You see that they're participating in fellowship, community, life together, praising. There's gladness, there's joy, there's emotion, there's awe, there's wonder at what God is doing. There's also serving, that is, attending to each other's needs and taking care of one one another, as well as generosity. And and what I want to do this morning for us and just our mindset, and there's probably like a million ways that more creative minds can categorize what I want to talk about this morning. But this is how I'm going to do it. We're going to talk about a healthy church in light of three buckets that are filled up. For almost two decades, I've been able to sit down with people and talk about church with them, why they come to a church, why they leave a church, what they like about church, what they don't like about church. And as I begin to process and think about all that this week with this topic in mind, I begin to think through the idea of what does this healthy church look like? And we can throw this up here. A healthy church, we'll see if we can throw it up there. Yeah, Sergio. Nope, nope, the the slides and the buckets. (laughs) There we go. Three buckets. This is how people look at church. Heart, hands, and head. Heart, hands, and head. We can look at this individually. We can look at this collectively. And it's going to resonate with us for a very, very important reason this morning. In fact, in Matthew 22, don't go to that slide, but in Matthew 22, 36 through 39, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? With all your strength, with all your mind, 
with all your soul, and you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you were here a few weeks back, we talked about Dallas Willard and the soul and how the soul interacts with the infinite universe. The soul is the whole of a person. And the whole of a person is made up of mind. It's made up of body. It's made up of heart, all right, on the inside. And the soul is how we interact with the world around us. And so when it comes to church, the way we collectively think is, did I feel something when I came to church? How many of you, you yourselves, or have gone to lunch with somebody afterwards and you said, I ain't feeling it? Coffee wasn't that great. Actually, it's amazing at Sergio, so yeah. <laughs> Coffee was good, but the people weren't friendly. I didn't connect with them. I didn't feel God in the music. I didn't feel God in the preaching. I didn't feel his presence in those moments. And believe it or not, and as we'll see next week, 95% of our decision-making is based off of feelings. You may want to all day long say, I don't do that, but we're often asking ourselves, how do I feel? When I think about feel, I don't just think feelings. I think, did I connect? Did I relate? Or how about, did I do something? I want to be a part of a church, a body of people that are active, that are busy, whether on Sunday mornings or outside, and finally, head, did I learn something? Now, go to the next slide, because we want to fill these buckets up this morning. Did I feel something emotionally? Did I connect? Spiritually, did I connect? Is there affection? Is there passion? The inner self? Is there connection to this community? Those are the kind of thoughts we have when it comes to church, both Big C Church in general, but also when I step into a church. Go to the next slide there, this heart bucket, or hands bucket, thank you. Serving, doing, activity, volunteering. Hey, what does your church do inside those four walls and outside those four walls? That matters. It truly does. Go to the next one. We're going to pack this in a little bit. How did I learn something? Ah, Bible church, teaching church, preaching, knowledge. And what we'll see is what we actually want to do is take these three categories, all right, where are they at? Go ahead, go to the next slide. And we we want to dump them upside down into one place. What we want our church to be is a place that, yeah, we connect. Yes, we do things. Yes, we learn something. And I believe, I believe that's what makes for a healthy church. Now, what happens is, because of the preference of a leader, because of the preference of leadership, churches typically start out on one of those buckets. They have this passion that they want to pour all their energy into, and I think that's fantastic, and I think that's great. You know, when we first planted this church, I remember one person asked me, how how are we going to grow? How are people going to come? And I said, we're just going to teach the scriptures and people might show up if we're lucky. All right? And for nine years, we've seen that happen. But what goes on as we continue to grow as a body, you realize I can't just put everything into one bucket. 
If we are just one bucket of a church, we're missing something else. We're missing important things. Here's the problem. If all you are is a, for example, a hands bucket, you end up becoming a liberal church without the proclaiming and teaching of the name of Jesus for salvation, the need for repentance of sins, to turn to him. Doctrine is important. And hands churches, they're great. They're doing things in the community. Awesome. But if all you are is a hands church, you lack Jesus. If all you are is a head church and you just get knowledge and knowledge and learn teaching and training and Sunday morning and Sunday school and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Anybody grew up in that church? I grew up in that church. You miss an important aspect of the holistic nature of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, engaging not only your mind in your active service and worship of him, but engaging your hands, your activity, in kingdom kind of work. Right? All we do is just say, I just, I just want to know as much as I can about God. It's great to know as much as you can about God. But you're missing something. Or how about a heart church? Man, I just want a skinny jeans worship leader, some fog lights, fog lights, excuse me, and I want this to be the experience and just feel the energy in the place. We just make it about this moment on a Sunday, and you miss all the other aspects of what it means to be the body of Christ. What I think is essential is we look at ourselves. So what would it look like to be a head heart, and hands, church. An individual, absolutely, but a church as well. What if that actually gets into our DNA and all three aspects begin to flow? And I think when that begins to happen, you see a church on the move. You begin to see God working and moving in incredible ways. Why? Well, a head church is gonna lead us to the truth in Jesus. A heart church is gonna lead us to relationship with God, yes, and with one another, relational peace, and a hands church serving, loving, caring for one another, bringing purpose to our lives. Who doesn't want to be a part of a church like that? I know I certainly do. That doesn't just pigeonhole in onto one thing, but pours those buckets out. Now, here, here's the issue. It can't be left up to a handful of leaders to lead this charge. It can't. Y'all the church. You know that you have different giftings, passions than myself. I mean, I am a bit of a Bible nerd. I would love to just sit down and talk theology with you back there, uh, you know, getting tacos when the stands back up, right, Amber? Yes. I would love, but, but look, I may have blind spots. That's where the church comes in and begins to serve. Now, here's what I want to say. Redeemers, I'm really proud of you guys. For nine years, this church has been here. For nine years in service, in love, in generosity, in teaching and proclaiming the name of Jesus. And before we ask ourselves a tough question, I just want to take a few minutes. It's our nine-year anniversary to celebrate some things. Can you throw that slide up of Curtis? Yeah, I just got this picture. Y'all know who he is? No? Yes? Maybe? He taught last summer. Was that last summer, Perry? Yeah, he's Perry's best friend. I'm Perry's second best friend. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, we have been supporting Curtis 
I don't know, for almost nine years now, sending money his way. Why? Well, he teaches and trains youth pastors in Central America. This church, because of your generosity and kindness, has been a heart-connected kind of church because we support him who does ministry and pouring into these people who then serve in their countries. He goes all throughout Central America teaching, training youth pastors. Uh, But that's not it. There's a pastor. We don't have a slide for this, but his name's Alfonso, and he lives in Kechi. And they have this super cool camp that I'll talk about in just a second that we've been involved with. But in Kechi, they needed an engine, a diesel engine for their diesel van. Uh, Our church, I think it was like five years ago, I don't know, we raised like five grand in a weekend. We put a new engine in their van so they could then take kids to this camp. We've also flown to Ketchy and we've ran vacation Bible schools and we've helped paint the church and we've been active in serving. And some of you might be looking around going, what do we do at this church? Are we a hands church at all? Oh, absolutely we are. Very involved. In Costa Rica, we put in a swimming pool two years ago so these kids could come in one of the hottest regions of that area and they could then have camp there and swim and participate in hearing the good news of Jesus or church. This thing was awesome. Through grants and generous giving, I think we raised like 30 grand. We probably pumped $100,000 into this country, if not more, in the name of Jesus. Years ago, when there was the hurricanes in Houston, our church sent off money to another church that was helping people that were distressed down and out. Not churches. This church was facilitating the funds to help the community. Why? Because we care about others. Years ago, there was a family who suffered a horrible loss in our body. One weekend, took up an offering, and it covered all the funeral expenses, took care of their needs, and it blessed them with some extra cash to get away, because you guys are generous. There's a story in Redeemers, what, four or five years ago, there was somebody who, both their cars broke down, and another family just gave theirs away to this family. This family also had been discipling and pouring in to this couple. It was super cool when I heard and saw that take place. My own experience of our church, when my wife was pregnant with our, what would have been fifth child, it's the worst month of our life. Almost lost her life, lost the baby's life. Two, car, two tires on our car blew in the same day. Remember that, hon? Yeah, it was, it was a bad, bad day. I go to the hospital, and my friend Ben shows up, and he just sits with me, and he hears the news that, man, if you guys didn't come in, I don't know where your wife would be right now, and he just sees me cry and also rejoice. Why? Why? Because we're connected with one another. That's heart. Do you know what this church did? We showed up at our house, and our pantry was full. Food, it's not that we couldn't afford it, but they knew that it would be difficult in that moment toilet paper, paper towels. Somebody dropped off this necklace for my wife. That is a heart kind of church. These stories, I believe, are really important that you guys hear. Because sometimes we get locked into a church and all we can see is what's going on right now. And we forget that the activity of God is taking place all over and it's happening before our very eyes. And I'm telling you, church, we need to celebrate the wins here. 
It's happening. But I want to ask God, where are we lacking right now? And what do you want to do through us? So here's how I want us to think, and I'm going to close out. A lot of times people hear a sermon like this, a message like this, just from my heart, to be honest. And they'll say, Brett, here's, excuse me, Brett, what can I do? That's, that's the mentality, right? What, what can I do? Or even, um, here is what you should do, kind of mentality. Here's what I want us to think through. A, here is what I can do mentality. See, not Brett, here's what you should do, or what can I do, but here is what I can do. And begin to get active in participating in the body of Christ. And so this morning, I just want to, as the, the band, you guys can kind of come back up on the sides. I want you to take a step back, and I want you to ask yourself, self-evaluation is the worst. Anybody ever said, what's wrong with me? <laughs> you know what's worse? When I invite you guys and I say, what's wrong with me? And I say, I want your information. Tell me what's wrong with me. And I solicit to my own demise and pain what's wrong with me. And I'm not asking for in my email, my email box tomorrow that Redeemer should do this or Redeemer should do that. And this is where we're failing. What I'm asking for the next three weeks as we evaluate, are we a heart church right now? Are we a hands church right now? Are we a head church right now? Okay, we're going to discuss these three things over the next three weeks. And we're going to get information on what each one of those actually look like. But then to ask ourselves as individuals, am I a head, heart, and hands kind of person? And if I'm a head, heart, and hands kind of person, and I'm part of this church, how do I bring that to my church so we function and operate in it? I want you to take notes. What might the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to participate in the kingdom. This is an invitation to self-evaluation for us individually and collectively. And may we pray together, Lord, where we're lacking, stir up our passion to love this community, to connect with one another, and to learn more about you. Let's pray. God, today, just thank you so much for your mercy and your kindness. And as we consider what it looks like to be a healthy church, may we all, as we come together, desire that. May it not just be put on the back or shoulders of a couple of people. May we be the royal priesthood, the body of Christ, serving and loving one another. Guide us, lead us, as you invite us into this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, would you stand with me? What we're going to do this morning is we're going to continue to sing, worship God. That's that emotional side of you. Did I feel something? And some of y'all may not feel like worshiping this morning, but I just want to invite you to sing. Sing with the body. Join in the songs that are being sung all around the world today. You are invited into God's story in this way. We're going to participate in communion which again is a connection that God has given us one another together that we get to share. We have the opportunity to give of our time, our talent, our treasure this morning. There is a box to give to what God is doing, but also to serve one another in this place. And might you begin to think this week, how does God want to grow me? In which one of these areas does God want to grow me? And then what does it look like to step into that? So,
to worship the Lord together now as they lead us in. The tables are open after the second song they sing. We'll come back up, we'll pray, we'll break bread, and then we'll close out in one more song. But let's pray. We're going to lead you guys in a song that you uh, likely don't know. Um, the song is called Establish the Work of Our Hands. Sergio, I'm going to switch the order and do the second song first. This song is all about the fact that there's so many ways that we can serve, there's so many things we can do in the community, but like Brett said, if they don't have the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, then they don't really mean that much. And so the song is called Establish the Work of Our Hands. Hope you guys enjoy. Mm-hmm. 